Hello and welcome to episode 61, the final episode of the academic year of Teaching Notes, the podcast of the Music Teachers Association with me, Patrick Johns. And a hearty round of applause to us all. We did it. We got there. Another academic year is behind us and it's time to stop for a bit if we ever do. Anyway, today I'm going to be looking at a great new idea for homework for Key Stage 3 students with Alex Parsons. And look, I appreciate that homework probably isn't top of everyone's to-do list at the moment, but we will have to start thinking about next year at some stage. And I thought it'd be better to have this idea to ruminate upon than to bring it out in September once planning had been done. In about 20 minutes' time, the MTA President Don Gilthorpe will be here to sign the year off. But first, the MTA, or more specifically Committee Member, Director of Music and excellent trombonist Lewis Edney, has recently organised a new venture for the MTA. It was hosted by Bishop Vesey School in the West Midlands and their Director of Music and excellent trumpeter Ashley Buxton. And it was the first free MTA Connect Day. What is that, I hear you ask? Well, it's all part of the Joining the Dots initiative to bring schools and teachers closer together to share ideas and good practice. And this was the first MTA Connect face-to-face meeting of state school teachers. I was there to listen, learn and share. It was absolutely fantastic. And here is the brains behind it, Lewis Edney. Lewis, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Patrick. Good to speak again. Now, I've been on this day, so I know obviously what it's about, but most people won't do. Tell us what today was. What was it called and how did the day run? So today was the pilot day of MTA Connect. So I came and spoke to you a few months ago about having a CPD day for state school teachers run by state school teachers. The morning was sessions that were run by delegates here. So we had curriculum, uh, listening activities, technology. And then this afternoon was an extension of that. But actually, there was uh, lots of open time for discussion between the teachers that were here. And of all the different things here today, what's the biggest thing you've taken away or what's the, the session that you've kind of got most out of? There was a teacher here today called Jack Roberts who led us through technology throughout Key Stage 3 looking at NCFE as well as um, GCSEs, which was really interesting. But I think the biggest take from today, and I think seemed to be the overriding expression of people, was that we had time to have a discussion between us. So at the end of each session, we weren't rushing to another thing. We had that time to sit, have a conversation, divulge what had been presented to us. And we just had that opportunity to sit and chat, which was really great. Yeah, and some of the the ideas that we were able to share and we were able not just to kind of put our hand up and talk for 30 seconds, but you could talk for a few minutes, as I did a few times, sorry about that, and actually really, really kind of feel like you were sharing ideas and and taking ideas away with you. Absolutely. I think a lot of CPDs that we all do it's very much a lecture situation where someone is presenting and you get to ask some questions at the end, but today felt much more about then being able to explore what we'd been presented and even the presenter became part of the discussion and part of that exploration into how we all felt about that part of teaching that part of the music within each department it goes back to the mantra of do less better i think so yeah was everyone here today from the mta no um we had 10 in total in the end and we had five mta and five non-mta so i think That's a brilliant thing for us uh, as an association because we're bringing more people in and that is obviously part of joining the dots, the overriding idea behind this form of CPD that we're trying to link as many people together through music and through our departments. And wasn't it great to do it face to face as well? 
amazing just to see people to meet people well you and i we've both met three people today that we've been in facebook and whatsapp conversations with but we've never seen them apart from on a digital image so to actually sit down and have a chat with them today was great and the killer question will there be more Absolutely. At least three people today have gone away saying that they're happy to host. And I put the pitch out again to any member of MTA or not, if you're hearing this, do get in touch if you would like to host a day. I think probably next year we will be looking for it to be slightly more regionalised. Lots of us have travelled quite a long day today, it being the pilot. But the idea is from next year that we try and get schools within a catchment area or at least a county to try and do this together. Lewis, thank you for putting today on. It's been really, really fantastic. Uh, And thank you for talking to me. No worries. I just want to say thanks to Ashley Buxton and Bishop Vizes for hosting us as well. Thanks, Patrick. Another teacher on the MTA Connect Day was Alicia Johnson. Alicia, welcome. Thank you, Patrick. And can you just quickly tell me uh, which school you're at and where you fit in? I'm at Noah Hill High School in the borough of Harrow. Very mixed, comprehensive state school with a very diverse range of students. Wonderful, wonderful place to work and great students. It's really engaging in their studies, but particularly music. So um, I'm very lucky to work there. Now, how have you found today's session? I think it was really good session. I love the concept behind teachers for teachers and making it affordable and bringing everyone together, learning from each other and using that expertise that we have. Um, who better to learn from, you know, the professionals that's in the classroom and that we can just soundboard against. Um, so I found that really, really useful. Picked up some nice tips from other teachers and um, learned some new things. And it was really great. And you led one of the sessions, didn't you? Could you tell me what that was about? So the session I led was about re-engaging Kise three children post-COVID, really, uh, because we just felt that there was generally a decline in how music was made at secondary school. Obviously, with the students coming from primary school not having had music lessons over the last few years, and how we can best re-engage them without dumbing down the curriculum, still have a rigorous curriculum, but making them enjoying it and just having lots of subject knowledge and things that they can use to move forward and to keep building our GCSE provision. Is that the solution? Just basically lots and lots and lots of live music, performing music? Do we, is there stuff we need to drop to take into account the missing lessons? I think it comes down to giving them the opportunity to experience music because I think for a lot of these students they've not had the opportunity to experience making music in classrooms. There's been no singing, there's been no playing instruments. And I think it is going back to that holistic way of teaching, of making music, singing, playing instruments, but using the correct vocabulary whilst you're doing it so that they pick up the rudiments of music in the correct way and not doing six lessons on the elements of music that could be really boring, but building in a lot of things, giving them the opportunity to play instruments and to learn the basics through exploring these instruments and singing and group work and composition listening to music and all these things that's important performing compositioning and listening and is there anything from today that you're going to take away with you that perhaps has changed your mind about something or that you're really going to implement in your teaching next year 
So one of the things that, that I felt was really useful for me to chat about is in our instance, we have a two-year key stage three, which I know is not what Offset recommends, but we do quite a lot of things and we justify our year nines and giving lots of other opportunities. But we were quite used to doing a scheme of work per half term. And I think we've had quite a lot of conversation around that to perhaps teach less, but teach in more detail. So stretching that scheme of work. And I think I might really look into my schemes of work and perhaps instead of having six half-termly scheme of works, perhaps limit that to four schemes of work a year, but spend eight weeks on it rather than just the six weeks. Or in our case, we've got music every second week, but we've got it for a double lesson, uh, which means I see them on three occasions during a half term, which is really not that much if you want to get into depth and really embed skills and knowledge. So I will definitely go away and re-look at our curriculum and how we teach it, and that it's not necessarily quantity, but quality through what we teach. Yeah, that seems to be the way things are going, like people are just getting away from trying to cram everything into six weeks, because... I've never felt personally that it's working particularly well. Yeah, that's true. Basically, you get in, uh, you get through it, you quickly do an assessment. Those that get it, get it. Those that don't get it, we move on to the next exciting topic. And if they're not keen on the particular unit you do, then that's fine. They move on to something they do like. Whereas I think if you spend a little bit more time and you get their understanding there, more of them will really enjoy it and benefit from it. It also provides the opportunity to give more rigorous feedback and assessment for them to really have a look at that feedback, act on it, and then reapply it and improve that way. Great. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today. I certainly have. I've definitely enjoyed it. It was great as a bunch of people together. It was really good to tap into each other's ideas and things and just get together, really. Great, Alicia. Thanks very much. You're so welcome. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you to Alicia Johnson and to Lewis Edney. And keep your eyes open for the next one. I promise you will absolutely love it. Now, I mentioned homework. Music homework can be quite a tricky area. How do we give students something to do that genuinely enhances their music making, whilst taking into account that many won't have access to instruments? Well, Alex Parsons has come up with a great idea and has written a blog about it. Here he is. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Patrick. I'm slightly nervous, but very excited. Could you give us a little bit of background to you as a musician and an educator? Absolutely. So straight out of university, like a lot of music students who majored in performance thought, I'm going to be a session musician. This is going to be me. I'll do wedding band stuff. I'll do recordings. I'll do, you know, all of that kind of session stuff that you see people when you're growing up in college doing that. Um, And I did it for a couple of years, but then I realized that I really cherish routine and, you know, getting back on a flight from France at 12 o'clock in the morning and then not knowing where the next gig's coming it wasn't really sitting well with me. And during that time, I was um, I was a Perry teacher in a school, like a lot of session musicians are. And there was an opportunity in that school to do some part-time cover, which I then took the chance to do. And then I found myself on the days that I was asked to come in and do cover when I wasn't doing any other work, I was jumping out of bed at 6.30 in the morning going, oh, I'm going to go to school today and teach some random maths. But it was odd that I was more excited about doing that than 
perhaps, you know, doing, you know, Radio One Live Band or something like that. So I thought maybe there's something to this. And then there was an opportunity at the school that I was doing cover at where the head of music left and the school approached me and said, you've been doing cover, you're working here as a Perry teacher. Would you mind perhaps just stepping in unqualified and teaching for a year, which I did. They then approached me again and said, we think this is a really good fit. Would you like to do your teacher training with us? Which I then subsequently did. And I've been at the same school ever since. Fantastic. And you obviously bring such a wealth of experience with you in the way that teachers who go straight from degree into PGCE into the classroom don't necessarily have meant with no disrespect to those people. But it means if you've got some industry experience, then you've got loads to draw on, haven't you? Now, you were kind enough to let me include one of your contributions to a recent Music Teacher Monday as part of Podcast 59. And when we chatted afterwards, you told me about a CPD research project that you've been doing, which I thought sounded pretty interesting concerning homework. Tell me more. Okay, so our school this year decided for teacher improvement and for CPD, they were going to ask every teacher to do an independent research project into an area of their teaching they thought that they could improve and would make a demonstrative impact to a small section. So a class, a year group, a key stage. For me, that area and one area that I've always wanted to improve is homework. I feel like it was something that was very underutilized, especially for music as a subject that has, you know, a low amount of curriculum time. And the fact that music is best learned little and often, and this was an opportunity or homework is an opportunity to do a little bit more music a little more often. So I thought, you know, this is something that I could maybe take forward and see if it will make an impact. It was also slightly related to the fact that we were on a two week timetable because of COVID. So the students were only having music every other week and homework was an opportunity to plug that gap of learning that they were having, which they previously hadn't had before. What I decided to do was to introduce low stakes cumulative testing at key stage three, um, which maps our curriculum so that students are effectively doing what they're doing in the classroom at home or practicing the skills that they're doing in the classroom at home to then get better and make progress in my lessons. I know that's a very long-winded explanation um, for something. I'm going to interject at this point. One of the big problems, I think, with musical homework, I stress musical homework as opposed to music homework, is if kids do not have access to instruments, then you can't do at home what you're doing in the classroom, assuming that what you do in the classroom is largely practical which it may not be so how does this work how do the quizzes replicate what you're doing in the classroom i'm assuming in the classroom you don't just sit there doing quizzes no no absolutely patrick you are so right and it's a really really good point and this was something that is difficult i know for a lot of music teachers and you raise a really good point so our music curriculum is mostly completely practical it's built on musicking and the focus is on oracy so every lesson we are playing music creating music we don't have any desks in my classroom we do very little writing but you raise a really good point in that when those students go home they might not have access to the instruments that we use in the classroom. They might not be able to execute those skills independently without teacher or the resources they have in the lesson. So for example, in our curriculum, which is cumulative, it's a list of 27 skills that we want students to master over year seven all the way to year nine. Let's take one of those skills, for example, which is learning how to form major and minor chords. Now, what they can do in that cumulative test is practice forming major and minor chords by showing them a keyboard diagram and saying, what are the notes in an E minor chord? Because then when they get into my classroom and I say, make me a minor chord, they go, oh, yeah, in that test, it asked me, how do I make an E minor chord? I know an E minor chord is E, then three plus four, that's going to equate to, if they ask me, or I see a piece of music that says play an A minor chord, I'm going to know it's an A, 
plus three semitones, plus four semitones. So testing that sort of knowledge at home repetitively and cumulatively is then going to help them in the classroom. Similar to the fact that in the classroom, I say, brilliant, you've got the chords in your right hand now, please add a root note. If they've then in the test done a question that says, what is the root note of a C major chord? And they've clicked C, then they've kind of taken that knowledge, that procedural knowledge on board, and it helps them execute those skills in the lesson. And is this all done online or is it done on paper and how is it marked? We do it using Microsoft Forms, which is a fantastic application if you're a Microsoft 365 school um, or an Office 365 school, and it links to Teams. We use a five section kind of template, which is the same every time they sit the quiz. So the first section is notation, because in every lesson they're going to experience some type of notation, whether that is iconic notation, treble clef, bass clef, whether that's chord symbols. The second section is mad t-shirt, which is the mnemonic we use for the elements of music. So vocab. The third section is chords, because basically every music that we play, every piece of music uses chords. Um, It's a really important, I think, knowledge base for them, especially for understanding harmony and texture to some point as well. And then the fourth section is listening. So we get them to do things like listen to this piece of music. What beat of the bar does this thing happen on or describe the dynamics in this piece of music? And then the fifth section is context and culture. So if we've been looking at a particular piece of music or a particular genre, it will be how do the other four sections fit into this specific thing that we've been looking at so this test the five sections stay the same every time they take the test but the questions differ depending on the unit that we're doing depending on what stage of year seven eight and nine they're in it might be getting more difficult so in year seven we're only asking them for triads but in year eight we're asking them to form seventh chords and things like that and what's been really really great is i think the students can really see how the sections that they're doing for homework and those questions really relate to what they're doing in the classroom. I can see those connections that they're making. And it's just been really, really fantastic because ultimately what we want them to do is make progress in the lesson. The homework, whether they make mistakes, whether they get it wrong, it's not really the point. The point is they come in and they go, ah, I've experienced this musical phenomenon once before. I've made a mistake or I've got it right. I can use that knowledge base or that information or that process that I've done to then get better in my music lessons and show it through actual music. That sounds great. I get the notation one. I get the cause, listening, context and culture. With Mad T-shirt, that's obviously, by definition, lots of subcategories, if you like. Could you give me an example of the kind of question that you might set for section two, the Mad T-shirt? Would you just pick one or two? And what kind of questions would you have? Okay, so one of the uh, units that we do at the end of year seven is a mashup of Next to Me and some other pieces of music that we stack on top of each other. And what we talk about in that unit is texture. So layering different melodies on top of each other, being polyphonic, how you can have different layers to a song. We actually teach them it like a cake. And then we um, talk about the fact that the baseline is the bottom part, et cetera. And texture is the way that those different layers interact. Um, And then we can talk about, okay, when we have this first melody come in, we can make the dynamics as such. And then when we build another layer on it might get a little bit louder the dynamics are increasing etc so in that section we're trying to focus on the literacy of it because in the lessons it's sonority so in the lessons i'm throwing around words like dynamics and piano and polyphonic and i need a way of ensuring that they can relate what i've done in the classroom and that music to the actual literary word and the concept as well so that's what we do in that section we literally just ask them about those nine things those elements of music and possibly dip into each one of them as and when they occur and when we're teaching them 
So it could be something like, what does polyphonic mean? What does piano mean? Absolutely. Okay, great. And how many questions per section would you have? And how long would you expect each week's homework to take? So actually, we don't do it per week. We do it once per half term. So the students sit this 24 question quiz with five sections once every half term. What happens is they come in year seven and the first time they set it, they've obviously, we've set it, sorry. They've obviously not experienced a lot of this. So it gives them a baseline and that first test is quite easy. And then it gets incrementally more difficult. And if they keep that baseline over the six tests that they do for homework over the year, it shows that they're making progress because say if they come in, they get 18 out of 24. Then the next time we do it, even if it got harder, they kept it 18 out of 24. They are then making progress because we're introducing new concepts, new vocabulary the listening gets more difficult, um, etc. And do you continue something similar into key stage four and five, or does it all kind of change? That's a really good question. I've been contemplating that. So at the end of this CPD process, we were asked to review it and what the next stage be. And I was thinking, could we do something similar for key stage four? Because at the moment I do do low stakes testing with key stage four. We do a lot of Kahoot at the beginning of lessons. We do a lot of multiple choice quizzes for homework. But what we do is we do a set work. So, you know, we'll start with Killer Queen. They do that. And then actually we move on to Purcell. And they don't actually answer questions about Killer Queen until further down the line. So maybe we could do something like focus on an element, perhaps. So it's vocal music in that one. So we could talk about word setting. We could talk about melody and things like that. And then test them on those different sections as opposed to just Killer Queen. We say now we're going to set you on melodic content of all of the set works. Or we're going to do harmonic content of all of the set works and dip that in rather than just asking questions about one specific set work. So do something cumulative as well i think that might work i don't know yeah i'm hoping that the stuff that we do at key stage three will translate into key stage four but that will be the next step and i think i'm right in saying you've written all your research your findings your examples up as a blog where can teachers go to read your blog Okay, the blog is at Treble Teaching. So it'll be the normal trebleteaching.wordpress.com. People can also follow me on Twitter at Treble Teaching. Um, and I will post links to the blog on that. And hopefully they'll get a, maybe a more succinct or in-depth description of what we talked about. Because I know it's a big project that I've tried to condense into an interview. And I think maybe seeing it might be a little bit more accessible, perhaps, for some people, which will be really, really great. Because I've worked hard on it and I'd really like to share it. And I'd also really appreciate feedback from people as well because teaching is, is a profession, especially for music teachers, where you can be a bit of an island and you can't have that kind of connection in your own school setting with other people. So it's really nice to be able to have this opportunity to share this with people and, and engage with people because you don't get that in your own school sometimes. Well, it sounds really, really interesting. And I'm sure that teachers, okay, people aren't going to be thinking about school, hopefully for the next <laughs> six weeks. But at some stage, of course, we're going to be starting to think about September onwards and do some planning and refining. I'm sure this is going to provide a lot of inspiration for teachers. So Alex, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Alex Parsons for sharing that great idea. And now, just before we switch off and reach for the tonic water, here is MTA President Don Gilthorpe with a few reflections on this academic year. Don, welcome back. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So another academic year passes and our first normal one for a while. Yeah, indeed. And, and actually, it's been really lovely to see the way in which everybody's got back to making music together. All sorts of people did all sorts of exciting things via screens during the pandemic. But this year, 
it's been wonderful to see social media posts of concerts and rehearsals and workshops and all sorts of things that are normal everyday things that we've been missing for such a long time. Yeah, and I've really noticed, for example, my students are just so up for playing and just so up for getting involved in music again. It's just, it's lovely. What do you think have been the high points for music education generally this year? Again, I think it's been about getting back to it. There have been all sorts of grand things on a a national scale, but I think it's the day-in, day-out work in music departments up and down the country. For me, it's been really lovely to see the children coming back into the department, into the practice rooms, being around, being a real mixed-aged community of pupils and staff where we support each other and make music together. But then above and beyond that, whatever you think of the things which are being released from the government, music education is in the spotlight and it is getting some attention. And we've had various documents come out. We've had the long-awaited national plan and the MTA response to that has been really wonderful, led by Catherine Barker, who's done an amazing job in coordinating our response with Keith to make sure that we're supporting people. But music being on the agenda can only be a good thing. We're excited to get involved in in making that happen and making that work for teachers on the ground. And talking of the MTA, what have been the highlights of the year for the MTA? Oh, it's got to be the conference. We've had all sorts of great things throughout the year with lots of webinars and lots of resources delivered, but the conference brought everybody together And seeing such a buzz and such a wonderful, positive atmosphere with us all pulling together was great. It's the first one in three years. It's the biggest one ever with Jill Davis doing such a sterling job of pulling it all together. And actually many, many thanks once again to the team at St. Edwards for welcoming us to their really beautiful school. Um, It was a real privilege to spend time with them over that weekend. And as we conclude another academic year of Teaching Notes podcasts, do you have a message for music teachers everywhere? Yeah, I think the message is have a rest, have a good rest. Um, The thing about this year has been that getting back to things, we've forgotten how tiring it all is. And I don't know about everybody else, but I'm certainly ready for a rest over the summer, ready to do even more exciting music making in September. So I would say have a good rest. Enjoy your summer and watch out for Ensemble landing on your doormat in the next couple of weeks. That's got a focus on career development for music teachers. So lots of really useful advice in there um, and great summer reading ready for the term ahead. Great, Don. You have a great break too. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you to Don Gilthorpe. And that's it for this edition of Teaching Notes, the podcast of the Music Teachers Association, and indeed for this academic year. I hope you have enjoyed these fortnightly podcasts. They've been great fun to make and to share with you. This academic year, we've had 57 interviews across 21 episodes, including words of wisdom from Christopher Stevens, Yolanda Brown, Dick Hyman, Paul McCreesh, Annabelle Williams, Ralph Allward, Judith Weir, Tasman Little and Shirley J. Thompson. In this academic year, the podcast has been listened to, rather pleasingly for anyone with an interest in numbers, 11,111 times. So thank you for playing your part in that. And don't forget that all these episodes are online for you to listen to any time you like. They're all on the MTA website. 
If you're not already a member of the MTA, then please do visit musicteachers.org to find out more about the great work the MTA does for music teachers everywhere, how you can benefit and, of course, how you can get involved. If you'd like to take part in a future episode, please do get in touch. The email address, as ever, is podcast at musicteachers.org or you can contact me via Facebook or via Twitter. I am at Mr. Patrick Johns. But for now, until September, have a lovely, lovely summer and goodbye.